We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-filled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, from biblical teachings to personal testimonies that help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. So whether you are a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. So join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 podcast. My name is Chris, and I am so glad to be recording another episode to share with all of you. And I'm here with my co-host, Brother Brandon. And Brother Brandon, it's always a pleasure to record another episode with you. So, Brother, you take it away. Tell us what we're talking about tonight as we record this episode. Sure, and it is good as well to record another episode with you. And we're going to be in the book of James once again. I no. I've said that probably <laughs> at least 101 times. Uh, won't be too much longer, though. We are about to wrap up our verse-by-verse study of this great epistle. and uh, But we're excited today to mm-hmm. dive into the book of James and talk once more about prayer. Yes. We're going to be looking at James chapter 5, the latter part of verse 16 through verse 18, where James gives us an interesting take on prayer. Mm-hmm. He talks about the power of pure and persistent prayer, that when we lift our prayers up to the Lord, we need to be of a pure heart and pure mind, and we need to be persistent and persevering when we go to the Lord in prayer. A lot of, lot of P's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just jump right in here and... We're going to read James chapter 5, the first part of verse 16. And this is a very well-known verse of Scripture. And here's what it says. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Boy, I almost want to say that in the King James Version. (laughs) Yeah. uh, How I memorized it, you know. (laughs) Right. But we need to see that James, first of all, calls us to pray fervently. Yes. That's what he says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, what does this word fervent mean? Because that's really what this verse revolves around. Mm-hmm. Well, simply put, it means that we ought to pray zealously and ardently. This well, is that the... simplified it. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Here's some more complicated synonyms. Yeah. Here's one way I like to think of it, uh, not using complicated synonyms. (laughs) This is praying with a little elbow grease. Mm -hmm. Putting your heart and soul into your prayers. I like that. The opposite of this would be just dull, cold, empty praying without any faith or enthusiasm. Just kind of doing it because it's ritual, it's routine, you know. Mm -hmm. Not really putting any heart and soul into it, as I said. In fact, there was a Puritan, Thomas Brooks, who was talking about this passage. He called it cold praying. Mm. Here's something that he wrote about that. He said, cold prayers are as arrows without heads, Uh as swords without edges, as birds without wings. Mm -hmm. They pierce not, they cut not, they fly not up to heaven. 
cold prayers always freeze before they reach heaven. Hmm. Boy, anytime oh, you yeah. bring in a Puritan, you know it's about to rock your world. Yeah, that's deep. But that type of cold praying that has no feeling is what we're called to avoid here. Right. Now, just to clarify, this doesn't mean we just have to go crazy when we pray, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. We don't have to shout. Um, we're permitted to, but we don't have to shout here. We're not called by James to jump up and down. Fervent praying is just praying with all of our blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. It's it's an I'm not giving up no matter what kind of praying. And of course, this is not the only kind of praying that we can engage in because not all prayer is exactly the same. You can pray short and long prayers like Psalm 117 and Psalm 119. You've got the shortest chapter and the longest chapter. Mm-hmm. You may pray prayers of thanksgiving or repentance. You can pray out loud and even silently in your heart, kind of like Hannah did in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Mm-hmm. You can pray privately in your prayer closet, like Jesus talks about, or you can pray publicly. But according to James, an attitude of perseverance and a spirit of fervency ought to mark all of our prayers, right. all that, all those types of praying that we just mentioned. So whether our prayers are five minutes or five hours, marked by gratitude or grief, said in the heart or uttered by the lips, lifted up in the closet or the sanctuary, they ought to be prayers, according to James, that stick with it. Yes. And this is tough. This really is tough because our tendency when praying for or about something is to pray once, just for a little while, and forget about it. Right. That's definitely my tendency. I don't know about you, Brother Chris, um, but yeah, I tend to fizzle out pretty quick when mm-hmm. I'm praying for some need to be met in my own life or in the life of someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get busy and there's so many things to pray about. Right. and We just don't stick with it a lot of times in our prayers. Yeah. But really, this ought not be so. You know, Mm -hmm. this is really the essence of what Paul commanded us to do in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where he said to pray without ceasing. Right. You know, don't ever stop. Don't ever give up. It's not that you have to pray 24-7, you know, every passing moment, but you need to always be in that attitude of prayer, and every time you pray, you need to have an attitude of fervency. And Jesus actually talked about that in the parable of Luke chapter 11. And uh, he said to his disciples in Luke 11, uh, verses 5 through 13, probably won't read all that, but let's just read some of it. He said, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of annoyed if somebody came to me at midnight and said, hey, uh, a guest blew into town and they want to stay with me and I ain't got no bread. You got something to spare? <laughs> yeah, well, that would be annoying. <laughs> that's exactly the way this fellow was feeling as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus continues saying, he will answer him from within. Do not bother me. Boy, I tell you what, if there's a Bible verse I can identify with, it's that one. Do not bother me. Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my Mm -hmm. children are with me in bed. 
I cannot get up and give you anything. Well, again, that's understandable. This guy, it's midnight. All the kids are asleep. In those days, the whole family would sleep together on a mat on the floor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, you know, the day is far spent. It's it's bedtime, man. That's your fault that you didn't have proper provisions for your guest. I'm not going to get up, wake the whole family up to get you bread. And then Jesus says this, which is really interesting in verse 8. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And then Jesus says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Right. Now, what's Jesus saying there? What's the meaning of this parable? Well, he's not saying that we need to annoy the Lord in our prayers, you know. He's not saying we need to twist God's arm to get what we want. Mm -hmm. And besides, that's impossible because God does what he pleases and we can't really change that. Right. But Jesus is simply saying in this parable that God will answer us when we are boldly and shamelessly persistent. Yeah. You know, this father who was woken up by his annoying neighbor he eventually gave in and he gave him what he asked for, although reluctantly. And Jesus is saying, look, if a man would meet his friend's persistent request, don't you know that your good and gracious father will answer your request even more? Cause mm-hmm. you can't, you're not annoying him. He says to bring your request to him. You're not waking him up in the middle of the night. He's a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're children who have the privilege of talking to a king. Right. And so Jesus is just encouraging us. We need to pray persistently. We need to be fervent in our prayers. It's not bothering God. If this is true in a human sense that this guy just wants to get him off his back, well, it's more true in a spiritual sense with our Heavenly Father. He Mm -hmm. wants to give good gifts to his children, which is actually how Jesus concludes that parable in Luke 11. Now, Chris, let's change uh, gears a little bit here. So we've been talking about how James says there's power in persistent, fervent prayer. Mm -hmm. But he also emphasizes that this prayer, which is effective, comes from a righteous person. Mm -hmm. The prayer of the righteous man avails much. Mm -hmm. Why do you think he emphasizes a person's righteousness here when it comes to praying? Well, I think it kind of goes back to what James talks about in chapter one. And it's kind of cool how James writes because he, he kind of backs up everything as he's writing. And, and his, his whole letter here really uh, flows very well and, and keeps on point mm-hmm. because he started out in chapter one talking about prayer, you know, yeah, and, right. and getting through trials and mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we should pray without doubting. We yeah, should right. we should seek God without doubting, and the one who doubts is double minded and unstable in all of their ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the righteous man is is the one that truly believes that God answers, that is stable in what he is asking for, yeah. seeking out the will of God, because he knows that God keeps his word, keeps his promises, answers his children. And so, uh, the righteous, I I guess the simplest way to say it belong to God. 
Yeah. You know, they're, they're walking mm-hmm. in his path. They are following in the footsteps of our savior. Uh, and of course, if you're following in the footsteps of our savior, you're, you're right there. You're, you're in his will. And that's something else we've talked about in prayer is that, uh, when you pray, you don't ask according to your will, but you ask according to the will yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. And so there's that righteous right there. Um, if, if you're outside of the will of God, the scripture often refers to you as wicked or foolish, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, even in, in many points. And how can we ever come to God and say, like in our, our down times, we're, we, we didn't seek him in our good times. We didn't seek him in our moderate times. But when finally everything crashes around us, then all of a sudden we want to see if he's going to actually help us out. And uh, we, we see that a lot in society today in this new idea that, you know, we're all some sort of victims and the government has mm-hmm. to pay out everything to us. Well, what are you giving me? Well, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people that like to shout, the government needs to pay us. The United States government needs to pay us. And then they shout in the next sentence, we hate the United States. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Does it? Same thing. God, we don't want to give you anything. God, we don't want to follow you. God, we don't, we don't believe in this. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this. And then when it, when you got you got nothing left, God, yeah, give us something. The righteous yeah. follow in Jesus's footsteps. They're right behind him. They're following in his way. And when you follow in Jesus's footsteps, a lot of things will happen. That's really well said, and I think that's a good illustration. And you're talking about doing the will of God, as we've discussed many times. And you know, we read in many places in the Scripture, especially First John where it says that if we ask anything according to his will, he mm-hmm. hears us. Right. Well, if we're not living according to his will, we're not going to be asking according to his will. Right, exactly. And we're not going to get that answer either. Mm-hmm. And so that's why James is emphasizing here that, I mean, yes, you know, we know we're not going to be perfect. We know we're going to have sins and flaws, but he's talking about the person that is living in unrepentant, persistent sin who also expects God to answer their prayers. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to happen. That's just a contradiction. Yeah. In fact, I had a many... friend like that, actually. Uh, he's a, he's a friend. I, I loved him dearly. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a wonderful guy. He is now a Christian, but before he was a Christian, he would talk to me about praying to God. And I just assumed he was a Christian at that time. And he's yeah, like, man, right. God's not hearing my prayers. God's mm. not hearing my prayers. And he would bring to me all these things he's bringing to God. And, you know, sometimes I'd be like, huh, God, you know, here's one of your children, you know, seeking you out. But then all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, I don't even know if he's a Christian. That yeah. next day yeah. he, he came forward and he said, man, God's still not answering any of my prayers. And I looked at him and I said, hey, man, are you a Christian? And have you put your faith in Jesus? And he said, no. And I was like, oh my goodness, there it is. There's yeah. the problem. You yeah. don't belong to that family. You don't go up to yeah. someone else's family and ask them for their belongings so that you yeah. can go along your way. You yeah. go up to your family and say, help mm-hmm. me out. You need to be a part of the family of God. You need to walk in his righteousness. You need to seek out his will. And then He's going to start helping you out on these other matters. But the biggest problem in your life right now isn't your finances. It's not even your health 
physical health it's your spiritual health Mm -hmm. yeah that's true and that's a good starting point actually that we ought to emphasize today Mm -hmm. is that you need to be a child of god first Mm -hmm. and be declared righteous in order to have your prayers heard um but even those of us who are declared righteous who are believers and god's spiritually adopted children we're still called here to live righteously right and and that really does impact our praying because if we are living in sin and we haven't confessed it or repented of it it's really irreverent it's really Mm -hmm. irreverent to the lord god i kind of think of it like this so um a lot of times and i mean a lot uh when i would uh disobey my parents growing up um I at least knew better than to ask them for field trip money or come to them about what I wanted for Christmas after I'd done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just insulting, you know, right. like if I uh, lashed out or didn't do my homework or something like that and I, I disobeyed what they're telling me to do or, or what they're telling me not to do, I knew better than to say, hey, can I get this or that from you? It's just... It's Mm -hmm. irreverent. You know, it's just a disrespect of that position. What I would need to do first before asking any for any requests is say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I messed up. I disobeyed you. I did what was wrong in your sight. And that's essentially what we have to do as well when it comes to bringing our needs before God in prayer. If we are living in sin, we need to repent. We need to confess it and seek God's forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And there's actually many scriptural warnings about this. One of them is in Psalm 66, verse 18, where the psalmist says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty strong. And then even stronger in Proverbs 28, verse 9, the writer says, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Mm -hmm. So... Again, very harsh words, very strong language here, emphasizing that we do need to be walking righteously and living in righteousness in order Mm -hmm. to have our prayers effective. It really does matter, as we're going to see even more in a moment. Yeah, and and really, too, I I guess what we can look at as we're finishing this, this last part of verse 16 is that faith and prayer just as James talked about in James chapter two about faith and works, they go together Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, prayer without faith is just mumbo jumbo. You know, uh, it's, it's really going through the motions uh, Mm -hmm. of something without really having an expectation of any action. Uh, Because really if you pray without faith, it's just like that doubting person that James was talking about before in chapter one. He, do you really think something's going to happen? You'd be surprised if something happens from a yeah. prayer that's said without faith. And likewise, too, you can have faith, but if you're not asking God, you're not going to get anything. And then that's what scripture tells us. You have not because you ask not. So you need mm-hmm. those two to, to come together just as faith and works come together. And, uh, I I remember what Jesus says here in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, where it says, Jesus answered them, have faith in God. 
That's a really good starting point right there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And, and so that belief, that faith, that God answers. And he uses this really outrageous understanding here. He's like, I, I just want to throw out something to you. If you truly believe it and you know, you're seeking this out in faith and this is the will of God, it, this is all has to match up. Of course, faith, the will of God mm-hmm. and, and everything thrown together. But look at this mountain and we, we use this metaphorically a lot too. And I think that's another reason that this is here is so that we can understand that there's nothing too big for God. Mm-hmm. as well but he's saying if you really believe this uh and and have faith in god and this is something that has to be done for the will of god this mountain would have to move if you truly had faith and uh sought out the will of god in that moment and, and so it's important it's important that if having faith in god can remove mountains out of your way for his glory to have faith in all of these other parts of our life these things that are so much smaller than moving a full mountain right Uh, yeah you you can't just move a mountain i mean you could get you could get all of the the construction teams together to start chipping away and that would that would take more than our lifetime for some mountains to even Mm -hmm. be partially moved but Mm -hmm. that's that's just telling us the power of god that we can have faith in that he's able to do that it's not saying he will do that he mm-hmm. is able to do that. And if he's able to do that, we can have faith that he can do anything in our lives. Uh, and I also like what uh, we see in John fifteen seven as well, uh, where, where Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and what? It will be done for you. Mm-hmm. And so we see See that connection, having faith in Christ, abiding in Christ, being yeah. with Christ. That's really good. Uh, so there's that connection there, that intimacy between you and our Savior. Without that, uh, then you can look at the vice versa. If you don't abide in me, if my word does not abide in you, then you can ask whatever you wish, but it will not be done. Yeah, right. And then another thing, just... To sum all this up in Matthew 21, 22, Jesus says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. And so that faith is very important. And, and that faith is really what we focus on as we continue on in the verse 17 and 18 here in James chapter 5, where it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. And so if there's something to underline in your Bible, I would underline Elijah was a man with a nature (laughs) like ours. Yeah, right. Yeah. It may not seem like that. Mm. It may not seem like that, but Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And so many times we we see these people of faith in Scripture, these heroes 
of faith in scripture. And when we put that term heroes, we kind of put them on a pedestal above us. But right here, James is lowering Elijah from Mm -hmm. this pedestal and saying, he's just like us. But we see that he was able to pray fervently that Mm -hmm. it might not rain. And it didn't rain for three years and six months. And then when he prayed again, after three years and six months of a drought, then it pray, uh, then it started uh, raining mm-hmm. again. So we need to understand that we're not lesser or greater than the prophets of Scripture. Now, I'm not taking a, a, a away from the the roles that they were given. There was a lot of authority. They were held to a higher standard. I, I don't want to lower mm-hmm. them down as like, hey, look at those scumbags over there, the prophets, yeah. you know. Jonah was the only scumbag. <laughs> right, yeah. Jonah was the only... Yeah. Oh, man. To be fair. It's a, yeah, I guess we could go with the, the only times we see him in Scripture outside of the book of Jonah, he was, you know, telling a lie, too, then. So, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so, okay, with respects to Jonah, we'll continue on in that. I'm not cutting this out, by the way, guys. So... Fair enough. Hey, we'll give Jonah his due in several episodes from now. We're going to actually go through the book of Jonah together. So. Right, yeah. And, and, you know, we might see a little bit better of him, a little oh, bit yeah, here and yeah. there. But, but anyway, we, we like to put these guys up on a pedestal sometimes, but we're not lesser than the prophets, mm-hmm. and we're not greater than the prophets. We yeah. are people just like the prophets because we bow as servants just as the prophets did before the same God of the universe, the one who answered Elijah when he prayed for the rain to stop and prayed for the rain to come back is the same God that's going to answer us as well. And this is an important point right here in our faith. That's what unites us with these quote unquote heroes of scripture is our faith. We call upon the same God, definitely. So. Amen. That's really good. Um, Chris, why don't you elaborate on that a little bit more about Elijah having a nature like ours? Because, you know, clearly when we see his story in the Old Testament books of uh, Kings, he clearly had his up and downs, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just beginning right there at 1 Kings, uh, you go into chapter 18, uh, before this, this is when he prayed right before chapter 18, uh, talking about uh, the the rain stopping for mm-hmm. three and a half years. Uh, there was this King Ahab and he uh, allowed this lady that was a prophetess of a false god named Baal to, to come into his court, sweep him off his feet and, and sweep him away to mm-hmm. uh, worship this false god. And it was a very a very uh, big point in history where Israel turned away from God and Elijah was the only prophet left. And I mean, he stood up, he stood up to mm-hmm. Ahab and, yeah. and uh, he prayed. He said, God, don't let it rain. And there was a drought on the land. And what's interesting, here's here's where we always get the hero of faith with Elijah. A lot of people remember this, Mount Carmel. Yeah, right. Uh, he he challenges these prophets of Baal uh, to kind of like a deity duel, as I would call it. 
and uh, Baal against the living God. Yeah. You call to Baal, I'll call to the living God. Whoever, uh, whoever's God answers with fire is the God that will worship. Well, of course, the prophets of Baal, they danced around their altar. Nothing happened. They lashed mm-hmm. their bodies. Nothing happened. Elijah even made fun of them a little bit. And yeah. it seemed like yeah. a cool thing. He said, hey, <laughs> what's what's going on with your God? Is he, <laughs> yeah. is he taking a restroom break? Is he <laughs> taking a nap? Whatever. Anyway, they couldn't get it. And then Elijah, he prays to God. He doesn't dance around. And that's that's important, too. He shows the order. Uh, within his his worship and his prayer mm-hmm. as well, uh, and he calls out to God, and God immediately answers by fire, uh, or in the the more better understanding by lightning, even, and it and it licks up this altar. It, it completely devours this altar uh, that he built. But that's what people remember Elijah for, oh, yeah. right there. Uh, and and right after that, that's when he prayed and it rained. So. It didn't rain for three and a half years, and then all of a sudden it's raining. And then the next day, this lady calls him out, Jezebel, the the queen of Israel at this time. And she says, Mm -hmm. if um, so be it, I'm going to kill you just like you've killed all of my prophets. Because another part of the story that's kind of cool is he slew 450 prophets that day. Uh, single-handedly, so yeah. eat that. Yeah. Uh, Call of Duty <laughs> fans, y'all can't even do that. But uh, <laughs> so, instead of standing up at that moment and being like, "Yo, you know, you're you're one woman. I just slew four hundred and fifty mm-hmm. prophets of Baal. I just called down from the living God uh, fire from the heavens. Who yeah. are you to to make a threat against me?" He did something we all sometimes do on the mountain of victory we have fear we have anxiety Mm -hmm. uh even depression in many parts and he ran away uh and so he's at mount carmel he runs from one mountain to another and he runs all the way to mount horeb which is ironically the mountain of god Mm -hmm. Uh, and so even as he's trying to escape the presence of god it's kind of like he's running to the presence of god but in that time he's he's calling out to god not to uh save him Really, he he calls out to God to kill him, yeah, and, right. and he's he's really down in that time. And all this while, he is living in sin at that time because what is he doing? He's running from the will of God. Uh, after being a a major part of the will of God, he's running from the will of God. And as he runs from the will of God, he fan, finds fear, he finds anxiety, he finds depression, and it's not until he sits in his plums for a little bit. If you don't know what plums is, that's poor little old me's. Yeah. <laughs> he, he sits in those for a little bit in a cave. Uh, all these big things happen around him, but then that still small voice of God calls him out and gives him the game plan. He was he had this pity party. He, he said many times, Lord, I'm zealous for you. Lord, I'm the only one here, and I'm yeah. the only only prophet of the Lord, and no one mm-hmm. bows to you, and and uh, they're seeking to kill me. And that was his story the whole time. But finally, when he, for lack of a better way to say it, shut up and listened to God, uh, God said, I got a plan for you. There's going to be another prophet. His name is Elisha, not Elijah. And uh and not only that, but there are thousands of people that haven't bowed to Baal. So you're not alone. 
and these people, Ahab, Jezebel, all these people that are coming against you right now, I'm about to take them out. So yeah. just just listen to me. But we, we sometimes skip over that portion of scripture. We, we're so enamored by the heroics of yeah. what he did on Mount Carmel that we forget about the the valleys of uh, Mount Horeb right after that. And so I don't know about you, but I, I didn't relate as much to Elijah on Mount Carmel in the sense that I've called fire down from the sky, but I really felt like there was a similarity between me and Elijah because in my own life, I've, I've suffered anxiety and mm-hmm. depression and, right, and yeah. fear. And I'm sure many people uh, that are listening to this have as well. And all of a sudden that really makes sense when we read that he has a nature that Elijah has a nature just like ours. Exactly. He's susceptible to the same temptations, the same trials, uh, and the same failures that we are. But yeah, uh, ultimately what brought him through that wasn't that he was a great guy because we saw, we saw his brokenness just like we have brokenness. But, but why is he mentioned here? Because he has faith. And I like what, exactly. what the writer of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says. He says, With, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And I don't know about you, Brother Brandon, but uh, I'm sure as a pastor, you have read Hebrews chapter 11, right? Oh, yeah. Hall yeah. of Faith. The Hall of Faith. Yeah, I knew you would know that. Uh, and, and so the Hall of Faith has all these people. And even when we call it the Hall of Faith, almost like the Hall of Fame, we kind of put these people as heroic. But mm-hmm. when you read through that, you see all these names and something that happened that that was a part of the what we've seen in Scripture of them doing. But before it says what they're doing, before it even says their name, it says something else. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody want to take a gander at what that might be? <laughs> By <laughs> faith. Yeah. By faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, so-and-so did that. By faith, these mountains were moved. By faith, uh, you know, these people were healed. By faith, uh, this nation was delivered. Everything starts out not with the name, not with the action, but by faith. By faith, God did great things through these people. Amen. And by faith, God will do great things through you. And so just to put this into perspective a little bit better, I just want to look at a lesser known character of the Bible in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 through 22. Uh, and it says, while he was saying these things to him, uh, to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. 
Mm. And so this, this woman, we don't know her name. We don't know her story at all. And there was a ruler before Jesus, someone of importance before Jesus. And Jesus took care of that person as well. He took care of the daughter as well. You'll be happy to know that he goes and he tells the people that are mourning over the death of this young lady, why are you, why are you crying? Because she's yeah. just asleep. But mm-hmm. in that moment, everyone would probably think, you know, focus on the important person. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ruler, the person with the title here, but there's this woman who by Jewish standards would be considered unclean because she had a discharge of blood, anything that connected with lifeblood and mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, if you were to touch that or touch that person, they were considered unclean and you would yeah. be considered unclean as well. So, so people would have thought of her as just like the scum of the earth, the, mm-hmm. the uh, people that you don't go around. And yet she knew she had faith that if she could just touch the hem of Jesus's garment, that she would be healed. And what did he say to her? Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Jesus cares for us all. He cares for the rulers. Uh, he cares for the pillars of our communities. But he also cares for every single person, every single part of his creation but he heals us not by anything we've done, not by our social status, but by our faith because our fame matters little before the greatness of God. Don't, don't ever, don't ever go before God and say, look at me. If you, if you can, if you can do that, (laughs) you, I don't know what you've done in your life to ever make you feel that way, but Uh, There's not one president of the United States, the one that we call the most powerful man on the face of this earth, that could stand before the greatness of God. So our fame matters little before the greatness of God, but our faith is of eternal importance before his throne. So make sure when you go to him, you don't go to him in any other way, but through faith. Amen. Well, I was going to say more about Elijah, but uh, I think you covered it. And, you know, it's so good for us, isn't it, to look at these biblical characters? Because as you said, we we kind of put them up too high sometimes. And, you know, certainly mm-hmm. they deserve honor. You know, give honor where honor is due. Scripture right. says that. And that's one reason we have Hebrews 11, because right. those biblical characters are honored. But... Whether it's Elijah, Moses, Noah, Abraham, this woman, or any other character in Scripture, we we get this raw look at their sinfulness. Mm-hmm. That indeed, they had a nature just like ours. Yeah. And what's amazing about it is, you know, they all come to their senses. They all repented. Um, they all sought the Lord. They didn't continue to live in unrepentant sin. And... When they had a need, they prayed about it, and they prayed with faith. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what James is encouraging us to do from drawing on this example of Elijah is, mm-hmm. hey, we're not going to be perfect. Elijah wasn't perfect. But we serve a perfect God who hears and answers our prayers when we live righteously and, as you said, more importantly, when we, li- when we pray in faith and when we pray fervently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything uh, you want to add to that, Brother Chris? 
Well, I'll just say to whoever's listening to this today uh, that don't don't ever hold yourself back by saying, I'm not Elijah, I'm not Moses, I'm not mm-hmm. so-and-so, but follow in their example of faith and live your life this week, this, 100, this next 168 hours, living in faith that God will provide and that God will guide you through whatever trials, tribulations, or temptations that you are going through. Amen. Okay. Let me pray for us then. Father, we're so thankful that you are a perfect and faithful God. We thank you that you've forgiven us of our sins and that you have opened the way of access to you uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we just pray that we might have the grace to obey this passage. Help us in our prayers to be fervent, to put our blood, sweat, and tears into our prayers. But help us also to live righteously and to be encouraged by these biblical examples that we find in Scripture. And we pray for all of our listeners that you might help them to live faithfully for Jesus in the next 168 hours. We thank you, Father, for all your blessings on us. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.